Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. Our hope today is that this podcast brings life to you and that you leave this message encouraged, equipped, and empowered to live the amazing life God designed for you. Hey, good morning, church family. Kathy and I are enjoying just a little bit of vacation with the kids this week out here in Arizona where it is 119 degrees. Come on, let that soak in just a second. But we are excited about who's going to be bringing you the word today. You know, we are blessed to have an amazing staff and leaders around us just serving this church so well. And one of them is Victoria Meadows. You get to enjoy her every week, her passion as she brings worship. And today I know is just amazing as well. We love her with all our heart. Also, she is just such an integral part of our team and getting things done, a huge part of making Quest happen around the globe. And so we're so proud of Victoria and so grateful to have her around us. And today you get to hear from her her personal revelation on what it means to have a firm foundation. You know, in our regular staff meetings, we have our staff members do Bible studies for the rest of the team. And Victoria brought this to the team not long ago. And we were just like, that's so spot on, precise, so great for where we are in this series. And we wanted her to bring it today. So come on right now, would you give a huge cheer, a huge FLC welcome to Victoria Meadows. Come on, go get them, Tor. morning guys thanks you know I'm really enjoying really been I've said this before but I just every time we get together I'm like it's so nice to be able to get together and worship together and just study the word together you know we do it all week on our own but then Sundays we get to do it together right and I'm just now on the screen I was like look at all the smiling people and the various like missions trips and parties and so we get to do life together and that's so special I'm grateful for that and I just want to give a shout out to the worship team normally I'm I'm worshiping with them over there um, on Thursday we always we rehearse on Thursday so we get together on Thursdays and go over music and everything and they they're so sweet they asked is there anything that you need for Sunday and I was like if you guys could just be like a little spirit section while I was doing that would be great so first there was they all sat over there and we're just engaged so they're the bomb.com and if whoever is in here guys love you I think you're the best so <laughs> that community is super fun for me and, and enriching so as Pastor mentioned, um, and thank you, Pastor, for entrusting me with the, this subject, this message today. Um, and so as, as he mentioned there on the video, we do as a staff in our staff meetings, like once a month we do a Bible study and we take turns leading the study. And so a couple of months ago, I uh, brought what I was personally studying and still really am studying um, to that Bible study. And so I'm going to share with you today on the attributes of God. Before we do that, I do just want to give a shout out to everyone in the house and then everyone on the OC, the online campus. Thanks for joining us in today. And um, we, we appreciate it. And we wish you were here in the building, but hey there from the internet. So, um, so we're going to dig into the attributes of God. But before that, I kind of share on specific qualities of who God is I thought it might be helpful just to kind of understand how I arrived at studying this subject myself at all. So um, in short, I found myself in a moment of kind of a wrestle. And I grew up in the church. I actually grew up in this church. My grandparents, Drs. Victor and Mary Tony, uh, planted this particular gathering of believers. My dad's mom, Charlotte, um, is an integral part here. My parents, of course, uh, 
have grown up in the church and served in the church and raised us that way. My aunts and uncles, my cousins were all Christians, so I grew up in not only like the church, but in a Christian environment that didn't really stop at Sunday mornings, right? So when I left Sunday morning, that's not when the scripture stopped. It really never stopped. So um, in everything that we did, I was immersed in a Christian environment. And pastors talk about what they call the D6 model. It's based on the scripture in Deuteronomy that talks about writing the word on the doorposts and on our foreheads and the backs of our hands so that it becomes part of everything that we do. And that really has been my reality since I was born, since I came into the world. (laughs) That's been my reality. Um, I remember, you know, like we'd get up in the morning and on our way to school, we'd pray together before we went to school. We'd pray before road trips. Um, you know, pray over meals. And when I came home from school, my parents picked us up, so we didn't have to ride the bus, and I'm really grateful for that. But (laughs) uh, so our parents picked us up, and you know, when you're in like elementary school and you're with people, you, you have your home, you have your home expectations, but then you go to school and everybody else has their home and their expectations, and so it's all kind of convoluted. And so there were days when I would get home from school, and my parents would pick us up and like mom would say so how was the day and you know you're just processing how the day was and sometimes you would have had an encounter with a kid that really got on your nerves and so you're like here's the deal this really stunk today you know whatever and mom almost invariably would be like well what does the bible say about that like ah like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> dig in my little nine-year-old's catalog of what the Bible says about that and pull out a random scripture. Well, it says to love your enemies and pray for those who hurt you, you know, and then sometimes she would even take it further and play devil's advocate and then start to argue with me, and then I'd have to, like, defend my position, you know, so when I say that I grew up in a Christian environment, I mean, it was everywhere, and recently I was having dinner with some people around my age, and one of them asked me, Like, so do you find that um, since you grew up in that environment, that that is why that you choose to be a Christian today? And I've given that a lot of thought, actually. Um, And so my answer was this, that certainly my upbringing has informed my values and um, the way that I behave and the way that I see things and what I believe and all of those kinds of things. And, to, and my faith to some degree, but at some point in life, I believe that whether we grew up in that environment or a different one altogether, at some point in our lives, we have to make the decision for ourselves, Does, is this what I believe? Is this mine? Or am I just kind of living in someone else's clothes? And so um, I have decided that this is what I believe. I've come to that conclusion. And going through like late teenhood into early young adulthood, I remember kind of worrying with that, like, in, um, as I went through college and, like, graduated college and all of those little intervals, and kind of beginning to examine that myself. Is this mine? Is this mine, or is this my grandparents, or is this my mom and dad's, or is this my brother's, or is this, whose is this? Is it mine? And at, as I was kind of walking through some of that and deciding for myself, this piece of a hymn um, came to mind and stuck with me, and I pull it out frequently to remind myself of it, and it says this, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And so there are times when, you know, you question, is is this really mine? (laughs) And I pull that back out. No, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, right? So there are times then 
in this decision, having decided that, there are times when, um, I will speak for myself when I find myself, and I imagine that others do too, in a moment when we're kind of uh, trying to reconcile things that we don't understand or uh, concepts or we're trying to understand truth or we're what I would call wrestling with, um, with a concept or a truth or something where it's like what I have seen is one thing and what the scripture says is something else, so I must be missing something, right? Um, and so, or it just doesn't, I don't know, just doesn't make sense, you know? So you find yourself kind of wrestling with those moments. And, um, and what I have found is that that first question that I have decided to follow Jesus is essential for being able to manage those second wrestling questions. So just like I'm in a family, my immediate family consists of my mom, my dad, my brother, and now sister-in-law. And, um, and so I know I am their daughter, sister. And there are times, believe it or not, in our lives where we find ourselves in a little bit of a kerfuffle or a disagreement or something along those lines. And, you know, it could be that they're wrong or it could be that they're wrong, but <laughs> just kidding. Sometimes I'm wrong. But, but really, there are times when we find ourselves kind of, maybe it's just a misunderstanding. And if, if at every one of those intervals, when we find ourselves in, in a misunderstanding or a disagreement or disunity of some kind, if every time that I found myself in that spot, I questioned whether or not they were going to disown me, whether that's about what we're going to have for dinner or something major, you know? If every time I thought, oh my goodness, I'm no longer going to be their child if I choose the wrong thing, then the stakes become way, way higher, right? For every little thing that we have to work out. And so I think the same thing is true here with our relationship with God. If, if at every interval that we have a question, we question whether or not we're his at all, whether we're deciding this or not, the stakes are way higher. But if we, have, if we can settle in ourselves, no, this is what I've decided. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm in the boat. I'm in the camp. I'm doing it. Then we can work out all the rest within the confines of the safety of that relationship. So all that to say, I found myself in a moment where I was like, okay, I've decided to follow Jesus, but there are some things that I don't quite understand or I'm not, they're not quite landing for me. And so I... It was wrestling with these concepts. So by nature, I tend to be a bit of a rule follower and um, very structured, kind of strict, and a bit self-critical. So I find myself often doing things. So here are the, here's the standard, live up to the standard, do the standard, right? But the thing is, is that while that is a component of following Jesus, doing what he says to do, and being willing to do it and all of those kinds of things. There's also the fact that we're his children. And so I sometimes struggle to remember that he sees me and loves me as his child, not just his servant, right? So I, um, I was kind of wrestling with that and feeling disconnected from who he is. And so then I realized, you know what I need to know is who it is that I am serving. I need to know his heart. I need to know his intention. I need to know his character so that I can get connected to him himself. And so um, 
So I started to study the attributes of God, the character of God. So we're going to dig into just a few of those things today, that the things that I have started to learn, and there are many, many more that I'm not even going to touch on today. There are lots that I have not even touched on myself in my own study um, that I imagine I will learn for the rest of my life. Um, but there are three foundational principles concerning the attributes of God that will kind of like um, affect the rest of the ones that we're going to talk about. So um, these things kind of are they go for everything, and they're important for us to understand as we dig into the specific character traits of who he is. The first one is that God is infinite. So everything that God is, is infinite. Infinite means that he has no limits. So we as humans have a beginning and an end. We have like walls. We have a planet that we're confined to, you know. So we know limits, but God knows no limits. So he goes from age to age, never ending. And what that means then for his qualities, for the character of God, is that they too are infinite. So if God is loving, which the scripture says that he is love, right? So if God is love, then he is infinitely loving, if he is good, he is infinitely good. If he is just, he is infinitely just. So his goodness, his justice, his love know no limits. So that's important um, foundational principle there. The second one is that God is immutable. And immutable means simply unchanging or unsusceptible to change. So we see in scripture, um, in Hebrews 13, 8, that says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means for us that as we study these concepts of these uh, qualities that when that he was that he is that and he always will be that so it's not like he's he started being loving but then now he's not it's like he was loving he is loving and he will always be loving so um if he was just then he is just and he will be just if he is gracious then he was gracious and he will be gracious so he's unchanging all of his qualities are forever and the final foundational principle is that God is unitary. So um, for people, like people as humans, we tend to compartmentalize components of ourselves and use different pieces of ourselves for different things. Like maybe right now I'm being outgoing, but later I'll be shy or something like that. And we can separate those qualities of ourselves out. But uh, for God, they're not so much pieces of pie as they are the whole thing. So he is always and all the way through just, merciful, good, etc. So when we think of so justice and mercy, I think sometimes we see those as kind of pitted against each other. Like he, he's, he is just, but then he had mercy on us. And so they kind of are against each other. But he is both just and merciful at the same time um, instead of using one or the other. So he's not, it's not like he has justice and mercy. It's he is both of those things. So they can't be separate from him. So he is infinite, immutable, and unitary. And from those foundational principles, we're going to dig into just a few of his qualities today. And how I'm going to kind of format this is I'm going to, to share the quality and then follow that with an illustration of several scriptures. And then I'll just share a, a little blurb of a thought on the topic. So we're going to start with good. 
Psalm 119.68 says, You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. Isaiah 63.7 says, I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. Psalm 139.17, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Deuteronomy 30 verse 9 says, The Lord your God will then make you successful in everything you do. He will give you many children and numerous livestock, and he will cause your fields to produce abundant harvests. For the Lord will again delight in being good to you as he was to your ancestors. Psalm 36 verse 7 says, How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. And Matthew 7, verse 11 says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? The key point here in this, uh, in this quality of goodness is that it's about the heart. And when I say it's about the heart of the matter, I mean that it's about his intention. For someone like me, I, I sometimes can get a little bit convoluted in the way that I think about the goodness of God and kind of excuse it as like he knows best. And I, so I, I'm, I may not feel like I'm benefiting, but then I'm like, oh, well, he knows best. So he's good and that's just it. But what I'm learning and what I'm kind of like letting seep into my heart is that yes, he knows best and we're just gonna do it. You know, that, that's how it's gonna be done. Uh, because he knows what is best, but also that his heart, it's, it's not without regard for us. He has regard for us, and he um, is looking out for us, and his intention is to bring about good for us. And we know what good is, right? So, so it's not so much a question as to whether something is good or not. Like, we know what it feels like to experience the goodness of God, the kindness and the tenderness of his heart toward us. So, um, so we understand that his intention is goodwill toward us. So on that point, the goodness of God, the fact that God is good, it's who he is, that can kind of quell our fears and put us at ease because we know his intention, his heart is toward us. The next quality that I want to pull out here is just. God is just. Genesis 18.25 says, Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why, you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Deuteronomy 10.17 says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality. And cannot be bribed. Psalm 19.9 says, Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. Psalm 92.15 says, They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Psalm 97.2 says, Dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And Revelation 16.7 says, And I heard a voice from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, your judgments are true and just. I mentioned before um, that sometimes we think of justice and mercy as kind of pitted against each other, 
And I think like in our society, we almost equate justice sometimes with punishment. So like, we want justice often means that somebody deserves a sentence, right? And so when we look at the justice of God, as I was studying this out, this was um, really profound for me because I know it cognitively, but for some reason it wasn't quite landing in my heart. And so it spoke to my heart in a new way that at the end of the day, since God is unitary and he is just, he's not choosing mercy over justice. Both have to be satisfied. So the justice of God must be satisfied and the mercy of God must be satisfied because he is both at once. So, um, so then if we look at the situation and ask the question, if, if both have to be satisfied, how, how is it that I, who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, how could I justly find myself in relationship with him that's not just because I don't deserve it, right? I deserve punishment, but I'm getting the mercy. So how is that? How do they work together? And so that those two layers of he's always just and he is always merciful working together, what I came to, to learn is that the way that he satisfied the two is through Jesus, so justice, his justice requires atonement. So because we don't deserve to be in relationship with him, because as humankind, we separated from him, we deserve punishment. And so his justice requires payment for that punishment, the result of that punishment, right? But his mercy was like, okay, so we have to have atonement, but his mercy also needs to be satisfied. And so he made a way so that both could be satisfied through Jesus. He satisfied justice by atoning for our sins, and he satisfied mercy by being the one to satisfy the justice. So he was the atonement himself. And to me, that is so like, wow. Sometimes I think I have to work my way out of it, even though I know I don't. But I, it seems like I need to work my way out of it. But because of his justice and his mercy in combination, he required atonement, but then had mercy on me and was the atonement on my behalf. And so his justice and mercy both make way for me to be in relationship with him. The next quality is merciful. Scripture, Psalm 103, verses 8 through 17 says this, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children. Second Corinthians 1.3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. James 5.11 says, We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. 
You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. In Exodus 34, verses 4 through 7, says, so Moses chiseled out two, two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. He goes on to share that he is also just. What stands out to me here in this scripture is that God himself, we hear it from his own mouth. He is merciful. He is compassion. He is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He just said it right there for us to, to hear. Mercy is defined as compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power. Compassionate treatment of those in distress. That is the mercy of who God is. The next quality is gracious. Proverbs 3.34 says, The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. John 6, or John, sorry, John 1, 16 through 17. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Romans 3.24 Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Romans 5.15, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 6-7 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Grace is God's unmerited favor, which means that we don't deserve it. But yet, he gave it. And one of the things that I have also learned in, in my own study is that we as humans require for survival connection to relationship, connection to people, connection to God, connection to the source of love, which we know is God. And when that we are separated from that relationship and we find ourselves isolated, we experience a great deal of darkness in ourselves. We might behave normally. We might still like do regular life, go to work, you know, hang out, whatever. But if we're, if we're feeling that isolation on the inside of us, then we experience a great darkness on the inside of us. And we can begin to feel helpless and hopeless. And, um, and it's, not, it's not a full, it's not full health, right? And sometimes we even start to kick and scream and act out because we don't have that connection to relationship, to love. And so as I considered God's grace and the situation that is humanity, that we were united with love himself at the outset, and then through 
our decisions as a humankind separated from him, then we experience that great darkness and, and the helplessness and hopelessness that comes along with that. But God, in his grace, has had compassion for us and made a way so that we could be reunited through Christ Jesus. So grace comes through Christ Jesus. Everyone in the past looking forward to Christ, looking forward to Christ was experiencing grace. Everyone since that's looking back on Christ is experiencing grace. So that that he brought Jesus and that Jesus died for our sins, that satisfied his justice and mercy and also his grace allows us then to be reunited with love himself and so that we can be healthy and whole again. Finally, the last um, component of God's character that we're going to discuss today, again, this just like just teeny tiny scratch at the surface, is omnipresent. And omnipresent means that he is with us always. He is ever present. He is always there. The scripture says, 1 King 8, 27, but will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Jeremiah 23, 23 says, am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. Acts 17, 27 through 28, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Psalm 16, 8, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. And Psalm 139, 7 through 10 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. It's one of my favorite passages in the scripture, that reminder that he's always with me. There's literally nowhere I could go that his presence is not there with me. And I think it's beautifully written. The, sometimes we find ourselves where we might feel like we're far from God or that God is far from us. Have you ever felt that way? Like, it just feels like I'm not connected somehow. As I was studying this, this component out, what I came to find is that when that feeling occurs, that is an indicator that I feel far from God, not that God is far from me, right? So if there's something that is causing me to feel distant, then the distance lies on my end, not on his end, because he's always there. So then I can kind of course correct and turn my face toward him and draw near to him, and he draws near to me, and I draw near to him, and he draws near to me. He's always present, always with us. So I have a lot more to study. I imagine, like I said, that I will study this the rest of my life and uh, come back to these scriptures to remind myself of who God is, of who, who it is in whom I believe. And um, so at this part in my journey, having decided that I'm in the boat, I am following Jesus, then my quest becomes to know more and more of who he is and to understand that relationship on a greater level. He is good. He is just. He is merciful. He is gracious. 
He is omnipresent, always with us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time that we have together to gather and study your word and worship and lift our voices in song to who you are. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done to show me and to show us uh, your good heart, your heart of tenderness and kindness toward us, your love toward us. Thank you, Father, that we can count on your justice, that you are sure and right. We thank you for it, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to understand, speak to us individually so that we each have revelation, a greater and greater revelation of who you are and that it seeps into our heart, not just in our head, but all the way down into all of our being and our heart, our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, every piece of us, that it becomes part of who we are, that we connect to you in a greater and greater way. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. Our hope is that you are encouraged, equipped, and empowered to live out the amazing life that God has designed for you. We pray that this message was fresh air to you. If you made a decision to ask Jesus to become the leader of your life, we'd love for you to let us know. Please text the word YES to 740-387-7778. If you'd like to reach out to Family Life Church, please visit our website at yourfamilylife.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Have an amazing day.